This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, Session 83. And the quote of the day is from Peter Vood, who said, The older you get, the more you realize who really matters, who really doesn't, and who always will. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers and industry professionals. Information, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast and just trying to get back in the swing of things after a nice holiday break. So I hope everybody had a had a nice holiday. And uh, today I'm really, really excited to release this interview. I got the one and only Carmine Apiece. And for those of you who don't know who he is, uh, he's like the most one of the most legendary rock drummers of all time. Uh, he played with Vanilla Fudge and Cactus and... and uh, those were like the the two big bands that he played in, but he also is responsible for for influencing a ton of different people like like Joey Kramer and Phil Collins and Neil Peart and Tommy Lee and Dave Lombardo and and the huge one that blows my mind is John Bonham and he tells the whole story about how he came to know John Bonham and how he he influenced John Bonham in his playing. So I'm really 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 excited about this interview and we're going to get into that in one second but first i want to thank the sponsor boso bamboo drumsticks the world's first full line of bamboo drumsticks check them out at bosodrumsticks.com they are an awesome awesome alternative to a wooden stick and have different tonal qualities and they they look great too which is which is uh pretty cool to check out and best of all you can save 15 percent by just going to bosodrumsticks.com and using the promo code podcast and that'll take 15% off your entire order. So check them out bosodrumsticks.com, the world's first full line of bamboo drumsticks. And one last thing before we get into the interview, I'm doing a free webinar on Tuesday, January the 6th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Marketing for the Modern Musician webinar. I'll teach you exactly what you need to get your online presence up to a professional level, yielding more followers, more results, and ultimately more gigs. I'll teach you all about social media, about your website, your website must-haves, and everything that you need on your website, as well as your mailing list, how to grow your mailing list, and things like that. That's 100% free, and if you're interested, just go to drummersresource.com forward slash register, and you'll be able to learn more about it and also to sign up. So let's get into this interview with Carmine Apiece, and I hope you enjoy it because I definitely, definitely enjoyed talking to him. Let's go. All right, if you could just talk for one second, let me just check your level. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. All righty. And it'll be quiet for one second, then I'll welcome you to the show. Yeah, you got it. Carmine, what's happening, man? Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Okay, man. Thank you. Absolutely. And I got to tell you, man, it's it's a pleasure to be interviewing you. I've I've grown up not only listening to you, but uh, my cousin is is a huge 
vanilla fudge and cactus fan and is a big psychedelic fan and always right. anytime i would ever talk about a drummer he would always say is he better than carmine apathy and then he would go i don't uh. think so <laughs> uh. so it's, it's it's definitely uh it's definitely great to have you on the show just because i've been hearing about you since i was such a, since i was a kid so it's amazing <laughs> to have you here I always like to get the backstory on how people got into got into playing and got the drumming bug. And, you know, I know that there's a lot of information out there on you, uh, you know, on the online and everything. But can you just give us a quick backstory of how you really got into playing? Well, uh, I had a cousin that had a drum set and we used to go over to his house and just, uh, you know, for holidays. And I would end up playing his drums. And now I go home and I was all fired up for playing drums. I would bang on pots and pans, and my parents bought me some toy drum sets, and those graduated eventually after years of breaking them into a um, a real drum set. But, you know, it's a cheap $50 drum set, a snare drum, bass drum, and cymbal. <coughs> but it was a real one rather than a toy, you know? Right, right, right. So, uh, so anyway, um, that's basically what, what uh, started it, and then... Uh, you know, went up from there. I just started, kept playing on a little little drum set, and I took lessons, and I got a better drum set, and you know, started playing gigs on the weekends, and you know, as a kid, playing weddings and all that stuff. You know. Mhm. So and now, were you were you elevated from there? Were you self-taught or were you taking lessons from people? I was self-taught for six eight months, and then I saw this guy that was really good, and he gave me his teacher's number, and I called a guy and I talked to my parents and I said they would do it. it was, the time was five bucks a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So I went, yeah, I went and took lessons from this guy, Dick Bennett, and he was an awesome teacher. And I was there for three, three and a half, four years of lessons. It's really improved my playing immensely. You know, so the stuff that you were studying, um, was it mostly jazz stuff? Because it's, it's interesting to hear that, you know, you're, you're famously known as being, uh, you know, a monumental rock drummer and, but your big influences were, was all the jazz stuff of, of Buddy Rich and Gene yeah. Cooper, right? Right. Exactly. Because back in, you know, my, when I was doing this in the early sixties, there was no rock drumming that was really anything great other than, you know, like the R&B stuff, you know, James Brown, uh, Motown, that kind of stuff. But otherwise the, the, the rock drumming was, you know, it was Let There Be Drums, Sandy Nelson, that was about it. Right. <laughs> you know, so I listened to the big band jazz guys and the, and the jazz guys, you know, from you know, Max Roach. I got a lot from Max Roach, Buddy Rich, Gene Krupa, Joe, uh, Philly, um, Philly Joe Jones, Joe Morello, all those kind of guys, Louis Delson. You know, and uh, then I went to all the classic books too, you know, all the books that were classics, Sick of Patience, Sick Control, um, Chapin Book, the um a couple of different Ted Reed books, Wilcox books and technical handbooks, you know, I went to all that stuff. So you know, and then I was in all the school bands and orchestras and jazz bands and dance bands and everything else was you know, junior high and high school. So yeah, so I got a lot of playing and a lot of versatility in my playing throughout my teenage years. You know? Right. And then when I played gigs on the weekend, I played a rock gig on a Friday night, and then a Saturday night I do a wedding, <clears throat> and a Sunday night I might do a jazz gig at a bowling alley. You know. Right. 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 Differentiating yeah. yourself, playing as many gigs as possible. 
yeah, just uh, having fun, making money, and, and playing. You know, I, I didn't really. All I wanted to do as a career was be like my teacher was. You know, just make a living at it. Like that's what he did. Right. Now, I didn't expect anything about you know becoming a famous rock drummer or a famous drummer at all. <clears throat> your your thing Back was just like, days, hey man, if I can if I can make enough music or make enough money playing music, then that's what I need. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was I was making money. I was making. You know, two hundred dollars a weekend. When I was seventeen, I bought a brand new car, a brand new Chevy Super Sport three twenty seven. In nineteen sixty four, I bought a sixty four Super Sport. You know, I made the money from playing. Nice. And then I, I paid it off with the money from playing. Nice. You know? Yeah, you can't so, beat that, man. Yeah, so I was like, you know, I was very proud of myself that I made enough money playing drums to buy myself a new car when I was seventeen years old. You know, not many had that. You know, so you know, sure. people have been asking me in some interviews I've been doing about, you know, did you have a time where you actually struggled and you, you know, had to worry about eating and everything? I never really had that time in my life. You know, I mean, I made it early, you know, made it big early in my life. When I was 20 years old. I was on the Ed Sullivan show. You know? Right, that's amazing. You know? So I was like, uh, <coughs> you know, so I, I was. Always oh, doing all right. I mean, you know, when we lived in Brooklyn, we didn't have, you know, a giant house where we all lived. I mean, at one point, we had six people living in one bedroom, you know. That's as far as, you know, um, no money as we were going to get, you know. But well, we always had food on the table. My father always worked his butt off, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which which put an incentive in me and my the rest of my family to work your butt off to Absolutely. get what you want. You Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. You know? So, so were your uh, were your parents born here? Or were your parents born in Italy? They were here. Okay. My grandparents were Italy, but they told my parents not to teach us Italian, so we would be pure Americans. Which uh, I wish they wouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, you know, same same thing happened with me, man. My uh, my parents uh, or my grandparents were born in Italy, and then you know when when they came when they moved over here, they told my father and my uncle. They said, "Listen, you're in America. You can't speak Italian." And yeah, you know, so that right. so that way now when we go back to or for years I went back to Italy all the time and I couldn't speak Italian, but then I ended up studying yeah, it to yeah. learn it because I wanted to talk to everybody over there, which is interesting. Right. Yeah. So I know when I go to Italy, people talk to me in Italian. I said, No, no good be That's all I know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So whereabouts well, in Italy are you from? Or is your family from? Well, family is from uh well they're from Calabria, uh, Barry. And um, I think it's my my father's from Barry, and my mother's from Calabria, shot your family. Oh, okay, okay. I know exactly where you're at. We're Abruzzese, so. Right. All right, the drummers out there are probably like, all right, guys, stop talking about the Italian stuff. Right, right. So I have a couple questions for you, just to backtrack a little bit. You were talking about, um, you know, learning learning all of these, going through all of these books and playing all these jazz styles and stuff. And what would you say now to somebody that's like, oh, I don't play jazz because I'm a rock drummer? Well, I mean, uh, funny enough, Pat Travis approached me last week to do a, a big band album with him. Mm -hmm. He said, because I know you played that stuff in your, when you were younger. I said, yeah, I did. I can't <clears throat> can play that stuff. So... Um, you know the object, the, the the idea is to do a, a a 40s kind of album with those 40s kind of charts and a caravan sing sing thing, 
mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. using horns, just uh, using guitars, bass, and maybe keyboard. Yeah. And uh, so I can, you know, I, I can still play stuff. I mean, I'll be a little rusty. Sure. But I can still play it, you know. But I guess I mean, a lot I'm of people... About old, I'm talking about old jazz. You know, sure, the old sure. Style. Not, not like uh, what they call modern jazz, which is more like jazz rock um, with, with scientific drumming. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Right. All the the, the technical, uh, you know... Yeah. Thinking. Yeah, all the double feet, the double fast feet, and the you know, poly, poly, uh, beyond that, you know, poly time signature things. We have three different time signatures, you know, in, in a bar of 15, you know what I mean? All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't swing at all. I just, I just had, uh, yeah. Mike Clark on the show last week, and he's, you know, he's, he's always talking about, he's like, man, I go out and listen to people, and it's just, it does, it's a lot of stuff doesn't swing like it used to. Yeah, definitely doesn't swing. That's, yeah, it doesn't rock or it doesn't doesn't swing. It doesn't groove. Right. Well, I, you know, I think that there's a there's a a breakdown of people making the connection of how jazz influenced rock and roll, and I hear yeah. it from a lot of younger guys that are saying they're like, "Oh no, man, I'm just a I'm a rock drummer, so I don't I don't play jazz." And I don't say right. you got I don't say you have to go out and be this straight ahead <clears throat> drummer, you know, just playing straight ahead jazz gigs, but. I feel like you should at least know how that influenced the, you know, the, the, uh, the start of rock and roll. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, for me, <coughs> you know, I utilize a lot of my jazz chops in my rock stuff. You know, I, I just did it with a lot more power. I mean, in solos and a lot of my fills with all the double bass and hands, you know, it came from Max Roach's kind of concepts. Right. You know, I, I used to emulate his, his solos when I was a kid, same as Gene Krupa and Buddy Rich, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's just a matter for me, it was a time of rock when everything was virgin. And, you know, a lot of drummers, you know, Ginger Baker, Mitch Mitchell, and myself, were, were all, you know, embedded somewhat in jazz. Those guys, those guys uh, more than me, you know, Ginger Baker and... Um, and uh, Mitch Mitchell were really, you know, they, they were out in jazz bands and they just happened to branch into rock and make it big. Where, you know, I, I played everything, you know, and, and by the time I was <coughs> brought into Vanilla Fudge, I was pretty much playing just rock and R&B. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I was playing. And uh, I sort of ventured away from the jazz because really, there was really not a, a lot of gigs in that, you know, still. Not a lot of gigs because rock was more prevalent than jazz at the time, you know. Right. So, so that's how I I got into rock and just stayed there, you know. It, but it was you, all different kinds of rock. You know, Vanilla Fudge was progressive, Cactus was blues rock, and you know, and after that was BBA, which is sort of blues rock, and KGB was blues rock, and Rod Stewart was like, you know, he was he was blues based also R and B blues, you know, right and rock. But he had pop in there at the time, what pop was in, in the 70s, you know, which basically was rock. Mm-hmm. But I really never had to change my style that much to play with everybody, which is interesting. That is interesting. Even Pink Floyd, when I played with Pink Floyd, you know, they called me because they wanted my style on there. Right. A lot of a lot of my drum fills, you know, when I played with Stanley Clark and Jeff Beck, I still played my style, you know. So everything I did always had my style in it. 
so it's you know it's, it's I guess to you it's not really I'm playing jazz or I'm playing rock or I'm playing blue I'm, you're just playing music and that's, that's yeah it. and pretty much the only time I could say I ventured out and doing jazz rock more uh, <coughs> I did an album in '77 for CBS I never released it I have it out now it's called V8 and it was a it was half instrumental and half uh, half vocal and it, was, it was very much like blow by blow which I was involved in heavily with Jeff Beck mm-hmm. uh, doing that album. I was on five tracks, and we couldn't work a deal out. And they took me off it. I, had, I co-wrote a few songs. I turned Jeff on to Mahavishnu Orchestra and Billy Cobham and all that when in the early 70s when we were playing together, me and Jeff. And uh, I basically turned him on to that kind of music, and then he, he wanted to do it. And when BBA broke up, I went to England, and we worked on that stuff. And then there was the kind of thing where they... They kept saying it would either be a Beck a Peace album or a Beck solo album. Either way, I didn't think it was any problem, you know, because I was supposed to get a, a featuring if it was a Beck solo album. And in the end, they didn't want to do that. So they, my manager and lawyer recommended I don't play on it, so I didn't play on it. And then, you know, so it ends up, <coughs> Jeff gets another drummer to emulate some of my stuff that I played, and Al comes out and sold two million copies. Really pissed me off. Yeah, I would. I would imagine. Yeah. So, so was, after that, I was with Rod Stewart. I got a solo deal myself, and I did an album very similar to that. <clears throat> Except that instead of jazz rock, I would call it rock jazz because the drums were heavier. Right. Know? But it was a, uh, you know, there was a, a a lot of jazz rock kind of stuff on there. You know, mm-hmm. for that day. So you know, seventies, seventies, a la, you know. Billy Cobham album, blow by blow, that kind of direction. Not like what they call jazz jazz rock uh, today, which is all over the place. Yeah, <clears throat> you know. So, what's your what's your opinion of the the rock stuff that's out now? What rock stuff? <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, what, what are we talking about? There's there's, no, there's nothing new that's come out that's that's uh, really rock. It's all pop. Right. You know? It's you all don't pop hear rock. No new rock. I, I don't hear any new rock. I mean, I, I, I'm not like a, a guy that goes on the uh, YouTube looking for new rock. You know what I mean? Right. <clears throat> I used to go on the radio, turn on the radio, and I'd hear some new rock. But you don't get that anymore. Sure. <clears throat> and the only rock you do might, you know, on some of these, I don't know what they call it now, some sort of, uh, <clears throat> everything's got a label. There's the heavy metal, then there's the, you know, these, these radio shows that, you know, you give them like a like a regular metal album, and they say well, it's not heavy enough. You know, it needs to be like death metal. I don't know. You know, Cookie Monster vocals and all that stuff. You know. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, it all sounds exactly the same. I can't distinguish one act from the other. You know. Sure. And, uh, my my son listens to that stuff Does as he? well as country, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a quite a spectrum. Well, a lot you of the countries pop now too you know. it's rock it's all rock the country sounds like 80s sounds like 80s rock songs with a with, with a lyrical twang the vocal has a twang to it right you know and you're uh, and you're talking about jeans and beer and, and chicks and, and pickup trucks right <laughs> you know and that's what you're going to the bar picking up chicks and jeans with bath feet and taking her for out out in your pickup truck and it used to be Country used to be you know, play a country song backwards. You get your house, your dog, your, your pickup truck back. Right. <laughs> it's sort of the same 
idea lyrically and has more of a twang and the vocal harmonies, but all the tracks are like uh, Def Leppard. Mm-hmm. Or 80s. Uh, 80s really highly produced. <clears throat> so that's where rock where rock has gone to, I think. If you say which rock has gone to country. Hmm. <clears throat> but it's not the kind of rock, you know, where you used to put on the radio and go, that's Led Zeppelin, that's Deep Purple, that's Rod Stewart, that's Jeff Beck, that's you can name people just from listening to them. Right. Today, everything's the same. The singers are all the same. American Idol, I, I think they're ruining it. Yeah. So Gene, Gene Simmons says rock is dead. You know, I mean, new rock, you know, becoming, like what he's talking about is new rock is dead. You know, with new bands coming up, it's very difficult to make it as a new rock band. Tell, show me a new rock band. Who's a new rock band that just made it in the last year? Right. You're saying there is none. And who's and who's a new drum icon in the last year that came up that everyone just goes, Wow. You know, who's a new guitar icon? There are none. The only, the only thing I hear people kid. talk about well, now is Dave Grohl. That's all I ever hear. Yeah, but Dave Grohl, you know, he's old already. Right. You know? Dave Grohl's been around for what, since ninety one. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean I did this with a school online, you know. Uh, they were talking and, uh, um, you know, and it was like, I don't know, it must have been 20 of them, you know, all, all ages. There were drummers, guitar players. And so I said to them, okay, so who is an idol right now that you guys are listening to? Who is like a new idol? Because you figured if anybody got it, you got these, these kind of guys, you know, like sure. young kids might have it, you know? Right. And, uh, when they started mentioning, um, you know, they said, you, they said, no, I'm not now. I'm not a new idol. Mike Portnoy, he's not a new idol. Uh, you know? Mm-hmm. They're just going through all these different guys, and uh, and they couldn't name anybody. You know? So it set me off on thinking, well, you know what? There probably isn't anybody. Right. Because they, there's no more, like, there's no more CD covers or album covers. You know, and that's yeah, what people used to get all the information from. Right. Now you know? it's all and disposable. Plus, and, and plus, there's no more magazines in America. There's only one, you know, there's modern, modern drummer magazine, there's drum head and drum. And, you know, and they, you know, each one of those magazines, they cater to a certain a certain bunch of drummers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like drum magazine. I haven't been in drum magazine in like five or six years. You know, right? And because they cater more towards this heavy metal, death metal kind of drummers. You know, mm-hmm. um, Vinny, uh, uh, his name, um, Vinny Paul. Uh, you know, Joey Jorgensen. You know, that kind of drummer. Right. You know. Right. You know, like you know, Joey Jorgensen went through my drum book. That's pretty funny, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> A lot of people so, have gone through your drum book. I know. I know. So, but anyway, so you know. You, we don't have the magazines like we used to have in America. So there's really no information out there. Well, there's some guitar magazines, but, but as, as the public, you know, the public doesn't read guitar magazine or drum magazine. Just drummers read them, you know? Right. So right. the public used to read, you know, Circus and Cream and Rock Scene and, and Hullabaloo and all these, all these magazines that were rock magazines where they used to read about their rock star and their bands. And new bands coming up, you know, we don't have that. 
Right. We the only thing that. they have now is like Rolling Stone, which is shitty. Which is now. not a, a rock magazine. Yeah, it never was a rock magazine. They were at the beginning, and then they changed to po- politics. Right. And being like the the, the, gen- the voice of the generation. <laughs> <You know>? Right. <laughs> I, Lily Stone, the voice of the generation. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then it became a brand, and then, yeah, now they got Rolling Stone restaurants, the airport. You know what I mean? Right. So, uh, that's all. That's like everything today. Everything's all about a brand. You know, it's all about brands today. You know? So what? Where? What direction is it headed, though? How do How do we recover from? I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue. <laughs> I, I just play drums and uh, work my career and do the projects I do. Try and get out there and play, and and you know, I have to deal with uh, whoever in this business I have to deal with. And a lot of them are. Total fucking dickheads don't know what they're doing. Yep. You know? I agree. And uh, I don't really have a clue where it's going. It's not It's not good going in a great direction, I'll tell you that. Right. You know? Right, you right, know? right. But, but Gene Simmons, you know, said that everybody's on that thing that Gene Simmons did, you know, Rock is Dead. You know what? You know, I just saw this thing, you know, I'm in this band, Rated X with Joel and Turner. <clears throat> right? Now, Joel and Turner... You know, it's, it's sort of going against what Gene said. You know, I know it's going to get impressed because, you know, we're trying to get pressed now. But, you know, they don't know. Rock is dead and, and, and it's breathing. It's heavily breathing, you know? Right. But, you know, so, you know, they put that on Blabbermouth. And Blabbermouth's the worst place you can put anything. Because those people tear you apart in that damn place, you know? <laughs> I hate that website, you know? I mean, I mean it's... A, I don't hate the website. I like the information they do. I just hate the comments, you know? Right. I think the information they do is, is really good, but I hate the comments that we get, you know, from these people. You know, but when I saw that today, you know, I mean, I did interviews and people asked me about that comment, and I said, look, I agree with him. Good point. And what he's, he's not talking about ACDC's not dead. Kiss is not dead. You know, Aerosmith's not dead, you know. They're dead as far as album sales. Right. You know, I mean, ACDC just released an album. You hear any of it anywhere? I haven't, no. No, nobody has. Because nobody plays it. <laughs> you know? Nobody plays it. Come on, ACDC. They sold the most records of anybody in the world, period. They sold more records than the Beatles. Okay? And they had, they just released an album, and nobody's playing it nobody's you know you get a few stations here and there that might want to play it but nobody's playing you know they don't have a hit single that's going to chart probably no right why is nobody if they do do, it'd be great because there's no because the the pop singles market is dominated by these 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 you know these chick artists that you know all they do is you know they sing okay and their songs are mediocre, and they take off their fucking clothes. You know, they're wearing lingerie. Right. You know, and and they make videos and show their asses, and you know, and you have to piss out and shit, and then, you know, and that's where the audience is at. That's what you know these young younger audiences and the the older audiences that made these bands sort of get screwed. The only way they can find out about this thing is maybe. If they have serious radio or, you know, there's really, there's no, no, you can't hear anything on the radio. No, you might get a radio station, 
Like over there in New York. Where are you? In New York? Where are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm in New York. Oh, you think KLO, KLOS? I mean, uh, uh, Q104 is playing the new album by uh, by ACDC? I got to be honest with you. I don't listen to the radio at all. Exactly. And, and the reason why? Because radio sucks. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just can't listen. I can't stand listening to the same thing over and over. Yeah, how many times can you hear Stairway to Heaven and Black Dog, you know? Right. That's the same old shit, you know? And that's why, you know, if anything's got to change, that's what has to change, you know? That's what has to change in order to get new rock back on, on, you know, on the bandwagon. Mm -hmm. But, you know, right now, all the stations that are making the big money are the the top 40 ones, which they always were. The top 40 now is in such a bad state. I mean, you got rap is dominating it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even in the pop songs, is rap in the middle. You know? Right, right. But, so I don't have the answer. I don't think it's going to recover unless radio leaves it. You know? See, that's the problem. America's always been a radio-oriented media. You know, Europe has never been like that. You know, mm-hmm. Japan, not really either. You know, um, South America, all those countries, they, they never really had <coughs> rock radio like we, we know it, you know, AOR radio. They'd always have a show on a weekend that'll play rock music or stuff like that, you know? But they're big on the live performances. Okay, yeah, but, but they're also big on magazines. Every country has two or three big, huge rock magazines. Right. You know, UK's got classic rock. They got Metal Hammer. They got Kerrang. You know, they mm-hmm. got other ones. You know, uh, Sweden's got the Sweden rock. They got this and that. The Germany's got three or four, five big rock magazines. They're not used to marketing on the radio. Right. We are. Sure. We are have been. Our businesses started back in when Chuck Berry started and Elvis. They go around on those tours and they. You know, they, they go in and they play this music with these DJs. The DJs would play it. They were, you know, they liked it. They played it. Now, you know, it can't, a DJ can't do that. Right. It's owned by Clear Channel. They, uh, sorry, it's out of format. You can't play it. Right. You know, the only stations you can get are some independent stations that independently owned, you know. Mm-hmm. And even then, you know, it's, a, it's hard. It depends on what their format is. There's so many different formats now. Remember, it used to be AOR. First, it was all underground. You know? then, they would be, then they became popular, and they became AOR stations. Then they started doing an AOR with these uh, consultants. That a guy in Florida would tell the guy in New York what to play. You know? mm-hmm. And then, then it turned into <clears throat> heavy-duty consulting. And then it turned into, you know, you couldn't get on the radio unless you were you know, on MTV. And it's just crazy, you know? Now, forget about it. It's just developing to so many different genres. And uh, there's really no way to play new acts. I don't know how new acts actually become big. <clears throat> I was just told last week that that guy, uh, Jack White, sold out Madison Square Garden. Yeah. How did that happen? I don't know. He's I, well. I mean, he's been around for a while too. It wasn't like that but happened. No, like, come on. I mean, yeah, but you know, he, has he had a big giant record lately? No. Have you seen some heard? You know, something or seen him on TV or anything that was like that would you know made made you inclined to believe that he was going to sell out Madison Square Garden? I mean, 
In the old days, you know, when I was at Rod Stewart, we had number one record there. We sold out five nights at the Garden. Okay. You know, you, but you could hear it. All you had to turn on your radio. Right, right. You know? I mean, you know, Beyonce plays the Garden and sells out. You could hear it. It was mm -hmm. always on the radio. But Jack White, I don't even know one song. I mean, look, I, I'm not saying I'm in his genre of music, but he is playing supposedly blues rock music. Right. I would think I should know about it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, saying like, like Joe Bonamassa went from B.B. King's to the Two Nights at the Beacon in, a, in like two or three years without a giant record. I don't know how he did it either. <clears throat> then the other one that gets me is I was reading Village Voice. I said this group sold out one night at the Garden. They're adding another night. And I, I said, who the hell are these guys? They're called the Black Keys. Oh, uh, yeah, the Black, Le Black Keys are big. Yeah, now everybody knows the Black Keys are big, but they never had a big album. No, I think their last record did. I think they got a lot of radio play on their last record. I don't know. <clears throat> excuse me. I don't know how many units they moved. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know either. But all of a sudden, you know, I go, how did these guys end up selling out two nights at the Garden? Right. And you never hear of them. Yeah. You know. I don't know. I get maybe right. it's maybe it's you know grassroots on the you know feet on the ground marketing advertising and and just playing shows and touring. Yeah, you know, I but I I don't know how to do that. I tell you that. Yeah, but that's you know the way they're doing it. The they're doing the, the on the road part, but all the rest of it, I don't know how that works. Something to do with they do it with the internet. I don't know if they stay on the internet twenty four hours a day. Right. Just keep promoting themselves. I really don't understand, but <clears throat> it's a whole different ball game today. That's why I don't really think it's ever going to come back to where it was. You know. Right. Right. You know, it. it that, was, <clears throat> that was a long answer. <laughs> that's what we're here for. That's that's our that's our format, as they say. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. But I. You know. I think that the the internet has done some bad and some good, you know, because I think, oh, that, oh boy, you're right there. You know, I think that there's, it definitely levels the playing field a little bit and, and allows people to search out new music if they really want to find it. But at the same time, I think it, it, there's no proving ground now. So there doesn't have, there's no, you know, there's no, no, gatekeepers. no, no every, yeah, there's a lot of shit out there. Right. Right. Yeah. There's no proving ground and there's no, you know, First of all, that, the, you, the key thing you said there is that they said you can search out music and really want to find it. You know, you know who, who really would who really does that? <clears throat> I mean, how many people go on the internet and say, well, I'm going to find some really cool music today and just keep looking at Who has the time to do that? Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe kids do, you know. But, uh, you know, and then the other the other. The other um, thing is, too, there's so many video games now that the kids are, the younger generation, are uh, listening to. That's why, <clears throat> if you look at uh, some of the, the numbers, you get a big hit record now. You sell 60,000 units in, in a week. <clears throat> You're breaking number number three on the charts. Right. Billboard, you know? That's because you don't have to sell a lot like you used to. I mean, number 60,000 units... Um, back in you know in the '90s or the '80s, would get you nowhere on the charts. You know, maybe 100 and, 180, 160 right. on the top Billboard 200. And now you know now you get up there, you, you make it you know, to the top top three with that amount. Because 
know, the sales are down on everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, sales are way down, and it takes less to get on the charts now. Right. You know? Right, and you know, but I everybody's think, selling less. I mean, everybody's selling less. I mean, ACDC used to sell five, six, seven million records at a time. I mean, you know, if they sell a million records on this one, they'll be they'll be lucky. Right, that's the way business is now. Everybody used to sell mega, mega millions to selling, you know, maybe a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, you know, and guys like ACDC, they might go gold or maybe go platinum somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, right. Just so different, right? Well, so know. I'm glad. I'm glad I made it when I made it. And I, <laughs> I was in the business when I in the business because I people ask me now, you know, you know, what what is it? You know, there used to be a formula, that, and now there isn't a formula, right? Yeah, which could be good, could be bad. You know, I think it hurt, yeah. it hurts and it helps at the same time. Yeah, well, the internet helps by you know, like this rated X album we did, we did it by the internet, which mm-hmm. is great, and then. Uh, the internet doesn't help when they everybody's downloading your music for free, right. or drum books, or, or stealing your drum books for free. Right. You know, I'm very pretty bitter about that. That really pissed me off when I seen that. You know? And you know, it's, I think that the value of buying a drum book or the value <clears throat> of buying a CD or a DVD or something like that, it it makes you appreciate it that much more. And if you buy that drum book and you spent $20 on it, you're going to say, you know what? I spent $20 on this. I want to work out of this drum book, and I really want to get my money's yeah. worth. But if you steal it, then, right. it then it becomes trash. It's yeah, disposable. It, it and, becomes like everything else. There's no value to it. There's right. no value on, on any, any song. You know, people are stealing off the Internet left and right. I can't, we can't even keep up with that. You know? There's right. no way to even try to keep up with that. Right. You know, I mean, I tried with the drum book and and these sites that was downloading free music, you know, mm-hmm. quite a bit, too, you know. Right. Uh, and you wonder why you, your sales are down, because a lot of it's out there for free. But, you know, a lot of these new bands, they look at it like that, that they're giving away the music so they can go play live. Right. You right. Know? Well, maybe you know, that's the new maybe it, that's the new model. I don't know. It's hard because, you know, I, I have conversations with people all the time that, that don't work in the music business. And they're like, well, why yeah. should I pay for music? I said, I'll tell you what. Wait, see what happens when you go to your job tomorrow and they say, hey, you're going to keep working here, but we're not going to pay you for it. Yeah. You know, yeah. like just because we love doing it doesn't make it not a job. Yeah. You know, so we should still get paid people for People make it. a living. People make a living this way. Right, know? right. Absolutely. Yeah. So do, who, do you like anybody that, that's coming up now? Like what new stuff do you like that's out or that's coming out or that you're listening I, to? I, don't, I really don't listen to any. I don't know what new stuff's coming out. No? I'll tell you the truth. No, I mean, I really don't. I don't I don't go on the internet and look for new music because, <clears throat> like I said, I don't have the time. Right. You know? I used to find new music by, you know, listening to a radio. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it's old school. Right. But, you know, I have I, – I do have uh, – Things I listen to, I have, you know, they're not new, but I listen to Government Mule. I listen to this, uh, this, this couple of uh, gospel acts, you know. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to, to that. Uh, Ed Winter turned me on to a few uh, gospel acts that are really cool, that really cool R&B. So that's like, gospel is sort of like uh, where, where R&B went, like where rock went to country, R&B went to gospel. Right. Right. R&B as I know it, you know, not the what they call R&B today, which is, you know, same chord change going through the whole song and, 
just a lot of scatting and 15 vocal parts going at once. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. You know? But, uh, you know, like R&B, like, you know, it used to be, uh, is going to gospel. So I've been listening to some of that. Some great drumming on that also. Um, you know, if you look at what I have on my phone, I don't have a lot on my phone because, uh, you know, I can't, I can't afford the battery life. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. But I, I got, uh, so we were going on the uh, Metal All-Stars tour. I've been listening to James Labrie, the singer of uh, uh, Dream Theater. He's got a couple of songs on my on here that are really cool. I got a Rated X couple of songs just to see what they sound like. You know, I got uh, a Dream Theater song because I was going to play it. And I got a Blue Murder song from the second album that I always liked. I downloaded it and uh, I paid for it and uh, I got it on my, my phone. But, you know, I don't really live, I don't have a chance to listen to a lot of stuff because I'm working on a lot of music. So most of my time that I would be listening to some music would be devoted to working on the music I'm working on. You know? Sure, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so... So you do have some uh, some new stuff going on, like you mentioned. Uh, you said that you're you're working on a bunch of different stuff. I know that you're working on some stuff with your brother, the Drum Wars. Yeah, so yeah, we're doing that. Talk we, about we got that an about. album out. We got an album out uh, called Drum Wars Live, and uh, it was recorded live very recently at, G- at the end of June um, at the Iridium in New York City, and uh, we got it, the Drum Wars is basically taking the Gene Cooper and Buddy Rich drum battle concept that they did back in the 40s and, and modernized it to today's kind of heavy metal, hard rock music. So we we would play like, first of all, we, we approach it like a, like a show. We have an intro where the, it's a comical intro where uh, the, the guy would handle it like it was a wrestling match, you know? Right. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for drum wars, you know, that kind right, of thing. Right, right, You know? <laughs> and then he would <coughs> he would goof and say that Vinny weighed 175 pounds. Yeah, right, you know? <laughs> and then he would say, I weigh 365 pounds. And I use double bass drums to burn more calories. <laughs> <clears throat> you know? And I would come out with a pillow in my belly, you know? Right. And it was, you know, it's just a little bit of comedy there because, it, you know, we're, we're doing a show. We're not up there doing a drum clinic. You know, matter of fact, on some of the audit, on some of the posters, we said, beware, this is not a drum clinic. Right, you know? right. Which it isn't. It's a, a, a drum show. It's a concert. We have a singer. We've got a bass player, a guitar player. So after that, we would both, both go into um, a song by my, that Vinny played on with Black Sabbath, The Marbles. So we'd both play it the singer and the whole band said both of us would be playing it so then he would start a fill like he'd do like one bar and I'd do the second bar you know nice. and we, we'd throw six back and forth and we we have a song called Drum Wars part one and part two that we wrote we do a, a goof on the swing songs we use the, the rhythm of the melody of their theme song for a tom-tom rhythm which breaks into like a three minute uh, drum battle kind of piece and then uh, Vinny would do some Dio, then I would, then you know, then I would come back and we do, um, we do another Drum Wars piece, uh, you know. And then we do, I would do two songs. I would do Bark at the Moon and a heavy version of Do You Think I'm Sexy because I co-wrote that, you know. And then we both come back together and you know we play the, the Drum Wars Part Two, which uh, involves we use this wave uh, drum by chord, a chord wave drum. 
mm-hmm. and that gives us like synthesized effects and sounds. So you know, when we're doing drum pieces, we utilize that to add a little bit of melody to what we're doing, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we do a few pieces like that, you know, and then we do stand up and shout. The Dio song is really fast and gets the audience riled up, and we play that together. And then while the riff's going, we end up taking forwards back and forth. Awesome. You know, and then we do the same thing with Crazy Train, and then we'll switch drum sets and we'll do Paranoid, you know. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so all in all, the the audience gets to hear a lot of the hits that we're associated with, and they get to hear the the civil rivalry of drumming, with drumming probably, you know, there's really nobody like us that have been in so many big bands and with drummers and, you know, brothers. Right. So 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 who's a better drummer, you or Vinny? Well, I'm, I always say I'm the original. You know? Right. I, I'm I'm the original. There you go. Um, yeah. So, but it's fun because we, drumming wise, we push ourselves to, to the extremes, you know. Mm-hmm. And and we have a great time when we play on stage. We goof off, and you know, audience loves it. And it, so we recorded it live, and it's come out on my own label called Rocker Records, distributed by E1 digitally, and distributed distributed by Cleopatra physically, which is the CDs. Okay, so, so it's just a, it's a CD. It's not a like it's not a DVD, right? No, it's a CD. Okay, okay. I wasn't like, sure. Just if you like had... in the old, just like in the old days when we used to listen to drum, drum albums of Cooper and Rich and everything. Same idea. I got you. You know, I got you. you know? And where can you and pick that up at DrumWars.com? No, anywhere. Amazon.com, uh, iTunes. You know, okay. just go online, put in drum, buy Drum Wars live, and you'll have a whole bunch of places. You'll buy cool. a Cleopatra. Uh, we have a free, I have a free download of, of Drum Wars Part 1 of part of that song, if you want to put that on you. It's a rocker, like, you know, I'm a rocker, R-O-C-K-E-R-records.com and forward slash Drum Wars. And you'll have a, a free download of uh, Drum Wars Part 1. Awesome. Well, every, every uh, excuse me, every interview that I do, I put a whole show notes page together. So everything that we talk about in this interview, there'll be links to, so all the listeners can go and check that out. And I strongly suggest everyone right. to, to go check all of that stuff out. So that'll be easily accessible to all the listeners. So what did, what okay. advice do you have out there for the listeners that are out there that are that that you know want to make a career in this business and, and, uh, and I, do what I, you did? I, I would just say try and make a career in making music, not necessarily being a, a rock star or a, or some sort of celebrity. You know, it's, it's more practical today to become a great drummer with a great spectrum of playing where you can go out and play. You, know, you go out and play in a wedding band now, and, you, you know, this guy's make $500 a night. Yeah. You know? you know, I mean, my day, I used to make 20, 30 bucks for a wedding, you know? Right. But these wedding bands make big money. Yeah. yeah, they do. So you can get more of those kind of bands, or you know, a show band, or learn to read. You're learning to read music, and you play on Broadway, and play. You know, just lots of different ways to make a living as a drummer. And then you, you know, you can give lessons, you can teach in schools. A lot of ways you can do that. You know, you don't have mm-hmm. to be a rock star. Right. But basically, most of the rock stars that everybody knows probably don't make a lot of money because it, all of it's the way and managers and agents and expenses. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks a rock star should be, you know, rich and famous, especially today because there's no royalty extremes from the from the records, you know, yep. like they used to be. So you know, it's all about making it live, you know, and 
in live, you you know, you got that 40% comes off the top, if not more. Usually, uh, usually it's 50% with all the commissions and, and expenses and everything. <laughs> so if you get 10 grand, you're getting five grand. Right. You got five guys, you know, so. Yeah, I agree. That, you know, it's funny that you yeah, say that. Right. I, I had lunch with Ndugu Chancellor, and he was saying the same thing about, you know, guys kind of frown upon different gigs, like a wedding band gig or something like that, because they're like, oh, it's a society gig, and that's not hip and all this stuff. He's like, these, he's like, go out and get yourself a tuxedo and start playing in one of those bands, and they make five, six, $700 a night. I, I mean, know. I, I used I to sub for a, for a guy, and the band that, that, uh, that I was subbing in, they got $10,000 a night. I know. It's insane. I do that. My, my girlfriend had a party for me eight years ago in New York. She hired a, a band that plays at the Cafe Wa mm-hmm. on Tuesday nights. $7,500. Yep. It's I insane. Mean, come on. Vanilla Fudge gets $7,500. Cactus. Right. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> you know, and we got names. We draw people. Right. You know, and here, you know, you, you get a band that's, you know, just a band, band. They're good. They're all great musicians. Come on. That's ridiculous. You know, I mean, Somewhere the uh, something's wrong. <laughs> I agree. I'm I'm actually I'm getting married in May. But, but but my but my what's that? No, I was gonna say I'm, I I know what you mean because I'm getting married in May and everything that you oh, call there you go everything that you call for you're like hey I want to have you know a lunch and they're like okay it's ten dollars a person oh it's for a wedding yeah. it's a hundred dollars a person yeah exactly you know so yeah so we uh, you know so I would say you know there, there's a lot of alternatives to um, you know, to make a living as a drummer in music, in, in music, not in the music business. I guess it is part of the music business, but at, in music, you know, there's a lot of avenues to go. I mean, it used to be, you know, drum books and all that too, but that that's even down the tube because of the internet. Right. You know, because mm-hmm. there's no sales anymore. Sure. You know? I always so, tell people they got to differentiate themselves and you got to think like an entrepreneur nowadays and have many irons in the fire because... The days of well, yeah. playing sessions yeah. and touring and, you know, like Hal Blaine, you know, he, was a, he would play sessions and he had a, a Rolls Royce and a, and a yacht, you know? Yep, that's right. <laughs> that's right. And now, yeah, then he, yeah, I, <laughs> he got married and <clears throat> lost it all. I right. know, I lost, I lost a lot. I lost a couple of million dollars in divorces myself. Really? You know? Yeah. And uh-huh. it, you know, uh, I was married five times. Two of them were like real fake marriages for legal legal things, you know. But the, the three that were serious, you know, two of them cost me a lot of money. Jeez. Over $2 million, you know. Then I had kids with one of them. Right. And, you know, forget about that. That still costs me money. <laughs> well, I got kids, you know? the listeners are going to kill me if I, if I don't ask what the marriages for the legal issues were. Well, I, I don't want to get into that. All you right. Know, you know. Fair I don't enough. want to get into it. You know, I mean, let's just put it one. one. The first one, uh, I, I guess not that bad. The first one was to try and get out of the, the draft for the Vietnam War. Right. You know, back when I was 17, 18. Mm-hmm. And the other one was uh, my ex-wife was Japanese, and uh, we, we needed to get her a visa. Ah, so that makes sense. That's kind of... It was just easier to marry marry her and get the visa than, than keep going through all the crap we were going through. So sure. we did that. Sure, that makes sense. So, Man, married yeah. five times. I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah, but uh, you know, but three of them was was serious, and and, uh, and two of them cost me a lot of money. Yeah. So whatever, but uh, you know, but I'm still here. I'm still happy. I'm still have my career. You know, I'm 
I'm actually having a good year this year. I, I made more money this year and did a lot more interesting things this year than last year. That's great. And, and I have a consistency. My years are pretty much consistent now. And, uh, you know, so I'm like, uh, I'm in a good place. That's good to but, hear. But uh, as far as advice, you know, it's uh, advice for a drummer is always, you know, try and study, try and practice. you got to have the passion to become a great drummer. And then what you do with that is another thing, you know. Mm-hmm. You can become a great drummer and, you know, and sit in your house and never play a gig because you don't know how to network, you know. Right. I, mean, I, knew, I always knew how to do that, you know, mm-hmm. from living in Brooklyn. I grew up in Brooklyn, you know, and you sort of had a network to do everything, you know. Right. Right. So. That's, that's great advice. That's why because... not, right? It's like now, you know, somebody... A famous drummer that plays with a lot of big people sent me an email today, and he said, you know, "Happy, it's my birthday a couple of days ago." So it was he happy, said, belated. happy belated. Yeah, thank you, man. He said, "Happy belated birthday." He said to the uh, how do you put it? He just said to the most famous drum drum brand in rock, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> you know, and I said, "Oh, thank you, man." You know, but yeah, I mean, you know, I I realized. That, 20 years ago when I could never shave my mustache off that I had a brand going on with that. Right. You know? Right. 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 And then I created a friend of mine made that face logo that I use as my brand now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like my brand. It's, it, it doesn't even have to say my name. It has my face on it. You know? Well, that, I think that so. speaks volumes to the impact that you've had, not only on the drumming world, but on the rock world. And so many people, credit you with with influencing them i mean everybody from like joey kramer to phil collins and neil pert and tommy lee and dave lombardo and (laughs) you know it's it's amazing that that all you know that that you've influenced all these people i love the the bottom story that i've that i've heard you tell um about how led zeppelin was was on tour with you guys they were opening for you and nobody even knew who led zeppelin was nor did nobody knew who john bonham was Oh yeah, I mean he was they were totally unknown. They knew Jimmy Page, some people. Right. But John Bond, Robert Plant and and over here, John Paul Jones were totally virtually unknown. You know, John Paul was a, a, a big session guy like Al Blaine. Mm-hmm. He played on so many hit records, but nobody knew him. Right. You know? And John Paul uh, and John Bonham was unknown, virtually unknown. And how old was Robert he? Plant? It was nineteen years well, you know, two years he's two years younger than me. Okay. So '68, I was I was uh, 22. He was 20. Okay. Know? Something like that. And you know, Robert Plant, same thing. I remember telling Robert Plant he should move around on stage more. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he listened. And the and the fact that we Vanilla Fudge paid half of their fee for the first gig they ever did in America because the gig was sold out. We didn't need them on there. And and the agent said, Look, well, Vanilla Fudge will pay half the fee. Because we were getting like seventy five or $10,000. In those days, 1968 was huge money. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we paid $750, half of their fee, which was 1500 bucks. to have Led Zeppelin open up on the opening act on the show. But it was already sold out, so we didn't really need him. What was that? Was that just <coughs> like, a, like a, a thank you? No, it was just a, that's the way the business was back then, you know? Right. But we had the same attorney. We had the same agent. We had the same label. You know, our manager was a was a uh, a friend of the attorney. 
and who was, you know, dealing with Peter Grand, the manager, and they became friends. And so it was like, you know, they gave us the album and said, we want to put these guys opening up for you guys. Is that okay with you guys? And we said, sure. We, you know, we were fine with anybody opening up for We had everybody open for it. Right. Deep Purple, Frank Zappa, and the Mothers, I mean, Stevens Clearwater, Three Dog Night, you know, everybody that got huge, you know, a lot of them went through us, mm -hmm. you know. Solomon Funkadelics, you know, all that stuff. Right. Uh, Queens Clearwater. So, you know, so we would say, sure, we don't care, you know. And then these guys, because they were on a bunch of dates with us, we became really good friends, hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And I remember when Bonham saw my big drum set, he said, oh, man. Because he had a little 22, 9x8, 16x16, and a 5-inch chrome snare. That was his first drum set on the first tour. And when he saw mine, he, you know, my big oversight kid, he crazy wanted I called up Ludwig and said I think these guys are going to be big I, I would suggest you give John a a shot at an endorsement you know mm -hmm. and they did and that's been that was like an understatement of five decades right they're going to be big <laughs> yeah right. so I really helped him and he got the same same kid as mine double bass drum and everything the next tour in 69 he played double bass drum for that one tour until Robert and Jimmy said he was overplaying with it, so they they wanted him to get rid of it. When he got rid of it, he ended up being the uh, the Led Zeppelin drum set with the twenty six and the big big small uh, the big small tom. Right. So hmm. it, it, it derived from my, the kid I had. So. Now, how did uh, what did you think of his playing when you first heard him? I thought it was awesome. Yeah. I thought it was an awesome awesome kid. I said, man, this guy, you know, he, he wasn't. As Powerful as they make out to be, you know, because he wasn't really that hard of a hit. He hit, he hit hard, you know, but but he was uh, not that hard of a hitter. He, and he he played a lot of traditional grip and did a lot of doubles. You can't do a lot of doubles and be powerful, you know? right? But, but the sound in the studio was so powerful, so awesome that it it sort of translated to live, you know. Mm -hmm. And and Jimmy Page had a lot to do with that recorded sound because he was a master of recording, tremendous producer. And didn't they yeah. used to record in like huge, huge like churches and big rooms and? <laughs> yeah, they, the first album was done in Olympic Studios in UK, which is a fairly big room, you know. Mm -hmm. And then they went into mansions and you know mic the drums up in stairways and all that stuff. Right. So they had a lot of experimental stuff, which is interesting. Which we. Also did in those days. Everybody's always experimenting with drum sounds, you know. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but but I thought he was a great player, and we got along great, and you know, and he was really a nice dude. And he, when he gets drunk, he changes. He he change into a bit of an animal, you know. Right. Right. You know, so some of the, well, you know, one of those kind of guy that when you drink, you're heavily drunk, you turn into a real asshole. You know? Right. <laughs> he always treated me with respect, and I always respected him for that, you know, no matter what condition he was in. And we were friends, you know. Yeah, yeah. I was really, I was broken up when I heard that he died, mm -hmm. you know. And it was wife, I mean, you know, she came on the road, you know, all that stuff. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, I guess he and he and uh, Keith Moon were kind of the same way. Once they got drinking, it was kind of like. <laughs> yeah, I knew Keith, too. He was a crazy. He was literally, he was crazy. Right. Even when he wasn't drunk, yeah. he was out of his mind. That guy was, you know, he just was a piece of work. Nice guy. I loved the guy. I loved his playing, but he was literally 
out there, you know? Right. Yeah, that's, you know, it's a shame that neither one of those guys are around anymore. It's upsetting. Yep, yep. It is a shame. But. Uh, I would have liked to see what Bonzo would have been doing now, you know? I, that would be it. Would be interesting to see, but I'm guessing yeah. that he would probably doing doing the same stuff that you're doing, you know. Yeah, I would guess he would have got a little more progressive, and you know, he was always a learner, you know. Right. He didn't like to stay still. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Well, I guess we'll never know on that one, but <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's fun to imagine. Well, Carmine, I really, really appreciate you taking all the time to chat with me. Like I said, you are a living legend, man. And it's been great having you on the podcast. I know the listeners really do appreciate it as well. And to everybody out there, go to, uh, to drum com and you can learn more about Carmine and the stuff that he's doing with his brother. Vinny. Yeah. You can go to my, my website, Carmine It has links to everything I'm doing pretty much. Okay. Sounds okay. great. Awesome. Again, great, Carmine, All thank right, you dude. so much. I appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. All right. See ya. So there you have it, the one and only Carmine and Peace. Check him out at CarmineandPeace.com or you can check out DrumWars.com to learn all the stuff that he and his brother Vinny are doing. Also, check out our new series that we have at DrummersResource.com called The Working Drummer Spotlight. And we spotlight drummers who may not be household names and who are not like these uber famous drummers, but they are working drummers and have successful careers in the music business and have been doing it for a long time. So we want to showcase them to let everybody know that, you know, you don't have to be this huge mega rock star to make a living at playing music. And that's an article series written by Zach Albetta, who is one of the contributing writers to Drummer's Resource. And so if you just go to drummersresource.com and click on articles, you'll see Zach's articles in there, The Working Drummer Spotlight. It's a great series, and we've been getting a lot of, a lot of feedback about it. So thanks to everybody who has been checking that out. And if you want to sign up for that webinar that I mentioned, the Marketing for the Modern Musician webinar to increase your followers, your your exposure and grow your mailing list and really take your online presence up to a professional level. Check out the free webinar, go to drummersresource.com forward slash register for all the information on that. Check out drummersresource.com, facebook.com forward slash drummersresource on Twitter at drummers R source and on Instagram at drummersresource. And until the next podcast, thank you so much for listening and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. Peace.